didn't really feel the pressure then I didn't really put that much pressure on myself if I look back at it now if I didn't have played well in that game where would have life taken me I, I really don't know the official Manchester City podcast Welcome to the official Manchester City podcast with me, Rob Pollard. And as always, I'm joined by former City defender, Nader Manuet. And we are delighted to say that the podcast has been completely revamped. We've got a new format and this is the first ever episode in that new format. And today we are joined by uh, England and City defender, Kyle Walker. So Nadam, what are you most looking forward to speaking to Kyle? Firstly, it's an honour to be part of the revamp. And to start with someone like Kyle Walker is, is amazing. I think most people have heard him speak more and more in the media these days and usually very, very impressed. So for him to be the first, I think it sets the tone. He's got so much to say, so much insight that he can give us as well. And that's not just the listeners, that's myself as well. And even though I've played against him many times, like he's one of my favourite City players. So this, this actually feels like somewhat of a privilege to get us going. He's always struck me, actually, as an incredibly dedicated professional. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you have to be to get to his level, but I'm looking forward to kind of um, getting to the bottom of that. Yeah, and seeing what that actually looks like, seeing what it feels like to be playing well, what it looks like to not be playing well, how do you manage those sorts of situations? And then ultimately, I think the big thing for me about this podcast is if they say they want to do another one, then I think that means the interview went well. Absolutely. So here we go. Let's, uh, let's crack on. I just came from, you know, what I thought was just a normal, you know, background where the kids are out on the estate playing football and you know, that's really my first memories of playing football. It was just a little bit of um, freedom and to probably get out my mum's hair uh, rather than sitting in the house or in the masonette flat that we lived in, uh, driving her insane. So it was like, go out with your friends and she used to come down onto the park where we was, give me a shout and that was either time for tea or bedtime. Was there a a specific moment or period where you thought I'm pretty good at this and, and I could get serious. When, when did that happen for you? Well, I signed for Sheffield United at uh, seven. So it seven. all happened. Yeah, is, that, is that what yeah, they just seven, you yeah. Wow. So it all happened really, really quickly. Um, in school, I was always, I was always good. And the older lads used to let me play with them. So I always thought I had, you know, I had a chance and I was better than my friends. So, but as you say, until you're around other people that are, you know, a similar level to you. You don't really know how good you are. But then when I went to the academy, it was just like playing, you know, on the flats. It was it was easy. And I was a centre forward, to be fair. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, that's the story. Yeah. That's the origin story. Yeah, I was, I was a centre forward. So it was listening behind, going score goals. And, you know, that's probably how I really named, like made my name at Sheffield United. Because I went to England under 15s before you go to the 16s to Lily Shaw as a centre forward. I've got to say then, so uh, respectfully, what happened? I didn't grow. That's what it <laughs> yeah. was, okay. So I was, I was tiny, I was tiny but quick and I just had a growth spurt very late. I think I was about 17 until I really had a growth spurt and all of a sudden I went from being the quickest by a mile to all of some people catching me up and physically I wasn't, you know, strong. Um, so... I signed my scholarship. I was the last one to get a scholarship. So obviously having been with England two years prior to then going and getting a scholarship, I was second to last one. So I got, I got, I got lucky. I think in football, you need a little bit of luck. You need a little bit of luck in everything. And that season Sheffield United got promoted. So their budget was a little bit bigger. 
and actually give everyone in my age group a scholarship because it was quite a good age group. I think if they didn't get promoted, I probably wouldn't have got a scholarship. And I know my dad was speaking to one of the scouts that was at Sheffield United that moved to Scunthorpe. So I was potentially going to go on trial at Scunthorpe and see if I could, you know, get a career there. But uh, the right back got injured, just randomly got injured in a guy called Sam Safe, who was taken out under 18s at the time, said, oh, uh, do you want to come and play at right back against Nottingham Forest? And then from then, I never looked back. That performance against Forest, apparently you were, you know, you took to the position like a duck to water. Mm. Why do you think that was? Why do you think you made that transition at that age and, and did it so seamlessly, do you think? I don't want to sound corny. I think it's just survival mode. I knew that was probably my only chance at that period in my career where I was going to get some games. So it was like, you've got one shot at this and you need to put in a decent performance. I didn't really feel the pressure then. I didn't really put that much pressure on myself. But if I look back at it now, if I didn't have played well in that game, where would have life taken me? I, I really don't know. What um, We said played well in that game. I know mm. it's a long time ago. Yeah. It's a long, long time ago. But what did you do well? Was it the attacking stuff? Was it the defensive stuff? Or what was it? Well, the winger was quick. And was, I, do you remember who it was? No, no, he, he doesn't play now. He doesn't play now, but he was one of their best players. I always remember, you know, them always saying that he, he was one of their best players. But it's just kind of like, it's me v you. Mm. And that's what a fullback is. It's mm. like you're playing on the streets, it's me v you, like Wembley, mm. 1v1. We've got a, whoever comes out on top wins the game. And that's how I just play, kind of played the game. Um, positionally, I've probably been all over the gaff. <laughs> <laughs> but 1v1 defending and you know, who's going to win this ball, me or you, you know, I made sure that I came out on top and I enjoyed it. And that was the thing. If I didn't enjoy it and after the game, I thought, oh, well, I played well and but I didn't really enjoy it. I liked playing up front. I actually liked it. It okay. was a different way of looking at the game. And I think from then, the rest is pretty much history. Yeah. Do you like that challenge in your position of having to deal with different types of wingers as well? Because obviously they all bring a different quality, don't they? Some are... Yeah like to go down the outside, some drift on the inside, whatever. Do you, do you like that tactical challenge of your position? I think that's what makes the best fullbacks, the best fullbacks that they can deal with any type of winger. If it's just, you know, or I'm not, uh, if I'm not the quickest, I like someone to play in the pocket so they don't run behind me. Um, if you're quick, you don't really like them players in the pocket, them intelligent players in the pocket. Um, but I think once you get over that hurdle of playing against everyone, you just have to treat that player to, you know, their strengths, but make sure that they don't obviously capitalise on your weaknesses too much. And tactically, how would you describe your journey from that academy setup mm. and senior football at Sheffield United? You've then played with Pochettino, you played with Guardiola, two of, the, two, two of the great managers. That development that you've been on tactically, how would you describe it? Because it must be totally different, you know, the way you see the game, the way you play the game now compared to when you first started coming through? I think, I think fullbacks changed compared to when I first started. You know, I, I was lucky enough to get my debut at Sheffield United under Kevin Blackwell and Sam Safe, uh, Sam Ellis, sorry. And that was get the ball out of your feet, whack it to the channels. Mm. I then went to QPR after signing for Tottenham, went to QPR on loan, QPR on loan and that was a Neil Warnock, <laughs> which yeah. it was. Get it out of your feet, get find Adele, wherever yeah. Adele is, yeah, give him the ball. Him, yeah. yeah, or Jamie Mackey, give them the ball and then let them go and do their thing. Um, 
then coming back to play with Harry Redknapp, where, you know, Harry's not really like the coach that gets out on the training pitch and starts, you know, demanding stuff, but it'll make you feel like the best player in the world. It'll make you feel like you're magnificent and he, he kind of got 11 good players around him, go out and play your stuff. Then there was AVB, uh, Villas Boas, that I uh, had a brief time with at Tottenham that all of a sudden now it was the foreign managers come in and it's more tactically. Mm. You have to think about your positioning, what you need to do, where they want you, how they want the system to work. And then that just evolved obviously to Pochettino and then, you know, with Pep. So they've all got the pros and cons. I don't say any manager's perfect because you've got one that puts her arm around the shoulder and says, well, come on, you know, if you're having a down day. And the other one is, and one's just concentrated solely on football and what he feels is the best way to get a result. But I think as well, the game's evolved from when I first started to it is, you know, now where we've got inverted fullbacks. You've got nine times out of 10, you look at the top fullbacks, they've all been centre midfielders growing up. It's not really how it was back when it was a channel ball and probably me and you defending. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you know? that. It's wild because you, you're just 32. Yeah. That's not that's not old. No. But you talk about how much the game's changed across that time and all those managers you've named, it's almost like a roll call of significant people. And they've all added something to your game, but which period, say either with a manager or just throughout your career, has had the biggest influence in terms of how you play today as a player? It's between Pochettino and Pep. I think Pep's evolved my game in understanding and not wasting energy where I don't need to waste it. Mm. But I play a completely different role to what I played. I signed here as a wing back. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I play in a back three. So would I have been able to play in a back three at England? I've said this in interviews. If I was still playing in the Pochettino system, no, I wouldn't have because I wouldn't have understood it. I'd have been too attacking mm. and, you know, my first thing would be to go forward rather than to cover. Now I'm kind of like a like a cornerback in NFL. You know, just, all right, where's the danger? I'll go and sniff that out. But I feel just in this team, you have to play to your qualities. Now, I don't want Kevin or Riyad running back defending because I'm going out on an overlap. Yeah, You know, it's kind of like you sacrifice self, yourself and say, well, I'll do that. That's my strengths. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure that you've got the energy when the ball comes to your feet where you're not tired and you can see a pass or you've got the energy to get out 1v1 against your defenders. So you don't worry about defending, I'll defend. Sometimes I need help. Yeah. Sometimes I need help, but you know, nine times out of 10, I'll try and do the dirty work and let them go and get the headlines. It was quite a big fee when you came to City and you were replacing two club legends, really, Michael Richards, Pablo mm. Zabaleta, they were the previous incumbents. Yeah. Quite a lot of pressure there. Did you, did you feel that and did you expect... To, to play the role that you have done and be as successful as you have because it's been an amazing period for you. Did I feel pressure? Of course I did because at the time it was a huge sum of money to pay for a fullback. I didn't feel the pressure with me going out and playing because it wasn't like it wasn't a league that I've not played in for the last six, seven years. So I know the league, I know the players. Only thing I don't know is really this team that I'm playing for. But I kind of just thought, well, you know, if... Pep didn't want me, I wouldn't be here. So I knew that I had the trusting of the manager, but you kind of have to earn the trust from the players, which was the big step that I had to take. But they already knew me as well. It wasn't like I was coming from a different league. So I did feel pressure from the fee and obviously a lot of outside noise. But as long as you got onto the pitch and do what you're done to get you here, you shouldn't go far wrong. In terms of that outside noise, 
I felt as a player, it's very tough to ignore overall. Mm. You can try to, but yeah. you can always catch something. Yeah. Do you still hear that today or have you cut yourself off from it mostly? I'd be lying if I don't say it. Of course I hear it. Of course I hear it. You know, there's so many, especially with England, where there's the right backs that we've got, we're blessed with right backs, where there's me, Trips, you know, Reese, Trent, you look at Wambasaka. Yeah. Ben White, who's doing really well now at Arsenal. You know, there's a lot of players um, that are in my position that are playing really well. But again, it's down to yourself, you know. It's down to what you do in, obviously, the manager at England has a lot of trust in me because um, we've been through the journey, basically, from he started. I started with Capella. Mm. And I think there's only me and Henderson that was been there since Capella was there and wasn't allowed to some like ketchup and stuff. But... You, you you earn your trust. I think you earn your stripes, don't you? And you have to build the trust up. And but that only comes with performances and putting in good performances. We spoke to Richard Dunn, and he said that you've completely changed the way City play since you arrived. You allowed Pep to play the system. I want to get your thoughts because obviously you. Oh, whether I think he's a good player. What, what, what just, he's got the thing in the background. Yeah, of course, he's just, fantastic. Just, just whether he's been transformational in terms of City style, because I think we couldn't really play Pep's game before Kyle came. And, and by having that energy and that pace at fullback, it, it's, it's revolutionary. Yeah, for me it? personally, I think it's, it says a lot that Pep Guardiola has been one of the most consequential managers in the history of football, has had certain players who've been there for the longest time. And there's been a lot of success based upon that. You know, and that level of continuity it has to form a bedrock of how he wants to play. So people like Kyle, he's talking about Bernardo Silva, mm. I know there's as well, Addison. Like the team has transformed and the style of play that they've had across those years. It's been really, really significant. And for myself, you know, I always feel better when I see Carl's name on the team sheet, yeah. you know what I mean? But maybe I'm biased because he's old like me, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's, um, it, does, it does mean a lot. And I think what Dunny says is true. I think you mentioned the people who came before, like Dunny, like Zabletra and so on. And they were great for that time. But like Carl has been perfect for this time. Taking to a new level. And it's so interesting because when you first came, as was the case with others, like question marks, oh, that's a big fee. Mm. Oh, that's a big fee. But then it feels like you've all gotten better to the point where everyone all of a sudden doesn't remember the fee and no. just assuming that this is the player you were when you first came. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the outside noise, if, yeah. you, know, if you know what I'm saying. See, time at City has been super successful, but you've also enjoyed this really good period with England. I know you've really loved that, haven't you? What, what is it about the setup, Gareth, what he's done? You know, John Stones loves it, you love it. What, what, what's he created there? What's different from previous England regimes? I think we're, we're all, you know, relatively the same age or... We're all playing against each other week in, week out in the Premier League at, you know, tough, tough games and top oppositions. But he's made it like club football, but internationally. So obviously you do go away and you spend a period of time where the rooms are like this and you're trapped, you're in it. And especially even in, when we went through COVID, you know, we, we couldn't go through, we couldn't see anyone through mm. the Euros. And I just think it just made us so close together as a, as a team. There's no seating arrangements. There's no, okay, well, the Man City lads sit down there and the Liverpool lads sit up there. We're all together mm. and anyone can sit with anyone. And I think that's what, where we've probably progressed a little bit more than when I did when we were first there, where we had good players, we had a great team, but I don't think the togetherness was there. It was more, okay, I'm here doing my job. I want to do well for myself. Yeah. So I don't get the, the criticism, but I've still got, one eye on the fixture next week because it's a Manchester derby or it's a, you know, a North London derby and I need to keep one eye on that as well. Are you looking after Rico? Because he's he's mentioned that he, 
he very much looks up to you mm. and obviously he's a he's a young player making his way in the game are you kind of trying to help him and and what do you th- what do you think of him as a as a prospect i think rico's unbelievable i think his brain and how his brain works for a young player is is fantastic there's still things he needs to sharpen upon i don't think he's a finished article by a million miles because it takes time you know he's going to come under games where He's going to be under pressure. He's going to have setbacks. And I've always said to any youngster that I've ever spoke to that, you know, it's about the top 10%. We all can play football. We all, we wouldn't be here. But when you get the knockback or when you do play really well and something knocks you back, how do you then react off of that? Mm. Some people can't deal with it. I've seen a lot of players in my time come and go where technically I think they was far better than me. But I feel just mentally... I don't think they had it. And I don't think they wanted to either push themselves that extra 10%, whether that was in the gym or on the field. And they just thought that their ability would take over and they would get them through because it probably got them through from the age under nines to 18s. And then all of a sudden you get into the first team and it's a dog eat dog. Yeah, so it's a dog so, eat yeah. dog. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You talked about the mentality there. Um, I've always thought with footballers, it must that must be as hard as the physical side. I mean, we've got club psychologists here mm. and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever struggled with that side of it and the pressure or, or is it something that makes you thrive? No, it's, I wouldn't. I have struggled sometimes, you know, when things aren't going your way outside of football or, you know, you're having, a, you're in a bit of bad form and you're thinking, why is this happening? But I always, I always just think, go back to the basics, go back to what got you to where you, you know, you was in your happy place. But things, things are out of your control sometimes. The manager can only pick 11 players to go onto the field. Now, every one of us down there are going to think that we should be playing. It can't happen. But it's how you react from that. Some people take it, I'm the worst. I hate not playing. I hate not playing, but with experience and my age now, I kind of think, okay, but I'm here for the team. Mm. I'm here for the lads and I'll make sure that the lads have my backing whether that's me shouting in the change room beforehand to get them over that line for that game. The last game of the season, uh, Aston Villa. I was the one that shouting on the bench, running up and down the touchline because it meant something to me. That was mm. a 38-game slog that we did. And I wanted to play the last game. You know, I came back from twisting my ankle, having injections in my ankle to play against Real Madrid, mm. twisting my ankle again, trying to get back to the end of the season because I wanted to be there with the lads couldn't make it but I didn't blame them I didn't blame anyone I just thought I need to do what I need to do as one of the captains to make sure that you guys go and get this victory that we need but what I need from myself is to be there for this team yeah where, uh, that game against Phil was that the one where you kicked the corner flag smashed that in yeah that was just that was a, a little bit of, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. it was <laughs> I picked it up and I wanted to throw it I wanted to do everything with it because I was angry that I'm happy yeah but I'm also sad that I'm not on that field yeah. hugging the lads yeah do you get what I mean yeah. so it's a little bit of frustration but it's happiness at the same exactly. time exactly and in this approach that you have now when did you first start to have that because I think as a young player mm. given how good you are as well you would have faced the disappointment would have still hit you differently yeah. because it never happened before no so when did you all of a sudden have this mentality and was it something that was shown to you by others or something you just gathered across the years you were playing I probably learned a lot from the likes of 
Vinny. Mm. But Vinny was a little bit different. I say more Fernandinho. Okay. Because I came here and Dinho was first class. First class. He's one of these players that you look at from when you're not here and you think, okay, you know, good Premier League player. But when I got here, he was instrumental to what yeah. we did that first two seasons. He was a he was a warrior. He was a warrior. The little things that people didn't want to do, mm. the challenges that, that people didn't want to stick the leg in, you know, he put his leg in. And that just set the tone for that game going on. And nine times out of 10, we probably went on and won that game. But when Rodri came, and fair, fair play to Rodri because he's coming and he's made that position his own. But I'm thinking, what a tough position this is going to be for you to take. Because yeah. he's a big character. Yeah. He was a captain. Mm. And I'm sat back and thinking, oh, gee, you know, you, you, you don't want to be you yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Dino, how Dino is, he goes in hard on training and he's going hard on Rodri and you're like, oh. Yeah. But Rodri is, I think that's made him a better player. But Dino, you could count on him in the change room before the game, it'd be geeing the lads up, making sure that they got out and did what was best for the team. So I've kind of took it best from him. Class, to be yeah. Sure, yeah. Is he the best captain you've you've played with, Fernandinho? Pushed him out there. You've caused an issue there, you have. Nah, I'd, I'd, a big I'd, issue. I'd say Dino learned a lot from Vinny. I think Vinny was, for this club, he was second, second to none. Unbelievable. Just in terms of the way he, he led, you mean, with, you know, the way he behaved and trained and, and all that kind of stuff. Dino is a great pro, a great pro. But I think Vinny is a captain, not just on the field, outside of the field, making sure that everyone was looked after around the training ground, mm. whether that was for Christmas, end of season and stuff like that. I've been at Tottenham and some of the things that Vinny did for the staff here wouldn't... Never happen. Never happen. Would never happen. So Vinny had more of a... His heart was here yeah. and he made sure that everyone... If he's fine, everyone was fine, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what I really liked about Vinny. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I've got a stat here for you. It's 208 games since you made an error that led directly to a goal. So the last time you made an error that led directly to a goal in the Premier League was for Spurs in November 2015. And in the intervening period, nobody has gone more games than you without making an error. Who was that against? Um, it doesn't say. He doesn't know, he doesn't. No. No, do it I, doesn't do I like say. That? I don't know if you're the same as me, but you kind of know when you've got your fingerprints on a on a goal, mm. but it's not necessarily always direct. Yeah. But when they give you that type of start, like for me, it's probably been 20 years for me since I last did one of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one more that I found interesting. So you've scored. Uh, not many. I've scored. You've scored six of your eight goals in the Premier League have yeah. been from outside the box. Yeah. So actually, your percentage of there goals from out is seventy-five percent. Only four players in Premier League history have got a higher percentage of their overall goal tally from outside the box. Who do we think they are? Any current players? Um, no, they've all retired, but they're Skulls. all fairly recent. No, that's a good shout. No. So Andros Townsend. No. Who scores bangers? Who scores bangers? Xabi Alonso was one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thomas Hitzelsberger, obviously, yeah, he's just a whack yeah. him in yeah. from distance. Tom Huddleston. Can believe you know, that. Always scores. Can definitely believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And then top of the list is two guy. He scored 10 goals and nine of them came from outside the box. I can believe that as well. Mm. So how many have you actually got in your career? Eight, yeah. according to that. That's Premier League, though, That's isn't eight it? That's Premier League, yeah. yeah. Any others? Have in the Cups or anything? Yeah. Sheffield United away, was that? That was in the Prem though, but I scored, against, I scored for Villa against 
Sheffield United in the cup. Okay. And uh, are you happy with your goals, Tally? No. Uh, you should have scored more. Correct. You had more opportunities. Not really, no. Okay, so how should you have scored more? <laughs> I just feel that I can just score more, I think. I think you've got 12 overall, I think. What? Um, career goals? I think so. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit it's bad one, that, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not great, it's you not know. Great. It's no, not great. It's not great. How many years have you been at City as well? Six. Ah, it's not great, mate. A lot of no. goals scored in that time. I'm defending. I'm covering people. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no you're not, actually. People. No, you're not. I get one, no, I get one not, a season, two actually, a season. No. I get one. Are you happy with that? No, I should get more. So when, when your team's scoring over 100 goals a season, you're happy with your one? No. Okay, cool. Let's just double checking. No, just double I'm not. Checking. But just putting out there. how many we conceding? Ah, here we go. Not a lot. Not a lot. Just I'm a defender. The best I'm a defender. No, but I'm a defender. I don't want to score. Best defensive record in the league for the last few years, and you've been a big part of that. Mm. So there we go. Yeah, yes, credit where it's due. Thank you. You've done all right. You've done <laughs> all right. Three questions we ask yeah. every guest. Number one, if you could change one rule in football, what would it be? See, I don't mind... VAR. Mm. I don't mind it. I think it's all right. That's my guy. I think it's all right. I, I do think it takes out the talk in the yeah. pub or the talk, yeah. like, you know, oh, I, I think it was a goal. I don't think it was a goal. I think it was offside. I don't. I, I don't like it because of that, but it is fair. Yeah. And I think, listen, it is a goal or it isn't a goal. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I, um, see, I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, I, would, I wouldn't say VAR. Um, I don't know, something stupid like heading the ball or something. Like, just don't head the ball. Don't head it. Yeah, you yeah. can't head it. Like, Especially from, because people heading it to score is different to yeah. like standing on the halfway line as a goalkeeper kicks it as high Kick as he it, can. Yeah. And just and looking just, up there. Yeah, like, and just, and here you, we go. Yeah. And they'd say height and distance. Ugh. Yeah. Or definitely don't head it in training because it just hurts so much more than when it's on the game. <laughs> For some reason, I Even don't Even with why. these lighter balls now, you think? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. When they does put it? spin on it and, and they put it on purpose, when Kevin yeah. does it on purpose and puts yeah. the spin on it, it's a lot, and you've yeah. got to head it. Yeah, it's a lot. What was the last thing you binged? Like, what book did you read? Podcast series, you know, series on Netflix or whatever. What was the last thing I that just, you just blitzed? I uh, watched The uh, Night Agent on Netflix. Was it good? Good watch. Yeah? Good watch. Ten episodes I did in, like, three days. So it, was it was pretty good going. Yeah. And then the final one, if you could ask our next guest anything, what would it be? And we're not telling you who that guest is. I'll give you a clue, though. It is one of your teammates. Great clue. Yes, <laughs> fantastic clue, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> really narrowed um, it down, yeah. Are they happy with their City career so far? Fantastic oh. question. Remember that. For well, is he going to answer guest. it himself then? Uh, well, he's the first ever guest. So we don't actually have a question from a previous guest. Okay. So you got you away with that. Yeah. yeah. But Carl Walker, that was an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Thank you so thank much you for, for joining me. us. It was really insightful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. I enjoyed this. Absolutely. Nice thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. They have regrouped, though. Kevin De Bruyne brings in Walker, who will surely hit it into the back of the net. The official Manchester City podcast with Rob Pollard and Nader Manua. Kyle Walker there. Um, Let me guess, you're going to say it was fantastic. No, some fascinating insights, I thought. Yeah, you got me. You got me. No, Kyle's really good. I think having done some of the media work that I do now, I've heard him appear on one or two of those things and he's been very, very good. So eloquent really understands the game and you can see how driven he is as well he's such a big deal for Man City yeah it's interesting you say that because my experience of interviewing him all the time is you don't just get stock answers from no. him you do actually get some personality yeah footballers um, I've worked with in the past uh, sometimes it can be you know they fall back on cliches and things like that but with Kyle you always feel like you're getting a part of him I think do you know what I think that is fair but I think sometimes from a playing perspective you give cliches if you get cliche questions 
you know, a lot of the questions. So I was, in terms. A, so I was, I was. Doing you're the difference. Yeah, was, you are yeah, the difference. Let's not cool. let's not give credit to anyone else. Like you're the difference. You're the difference maker. And that's Carl. He's older without being old, and he understands his place within football. Understands his place at Man City and his place in the Premier League. So when somebody asks him a question, he can be afforded that extra room to sort of really explain himself and talk more instead of just being worried about say what people will think of him like yeah. I, I love that it's such a great spot to be in. that did really come across actually how kind of assured of his kind of uh place mm-hmm. in the premier league history or you know english football he's very confident in kind of his legacy already isn't he yeah and he's absolutely. probably got you know he's got plenty more to give as well yeah, yeah of course he's he could be playing for many many years but i think he's also in a position where he can play for as long as he wants you know nobody's going to be retiring him or stopping him because he knows how to play the game he's done it for so well for so long and what position to be in given the way he started in Sheffield to now be in theory in the conversation for one of the best right backs in Premier League history not too bad is it brilliant anyway thank you for listening make sure you like and subscribe the podcast wherever it is you do your podcast listening and make sure you download the Manchester City app as well that's the best place to get all the latest news and information on everything that's coming out of the Etihad and the City Football Academy thank you for listening and until next time take care The official Manchester City podcast. Watch the full video version of this show via City Plus and Recast Now. This podcast is produced by Voiceworks Sport and Manchester City.